Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Jocker's Functional Nutrition Podcast, the show designed to give you science-based solutions to improve your health and life. I'm Dr. David Jockers, doctor of natural medicine and creator of drjockers.com, and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm here to tell you that your body was created to heal itself, and on this show, we focus on strategies you can apply today to heal and function at your best. Thanks for spending time with me, and let's go into the show. This podcast is sponsored by our friends over at Paleo Valley. They've got an amazing organic super greens product that makes getting your greens super simple and easy. They have 23 organic superfoods in each scoop, each with their own unique benefit for boundless natural energy. And their powder is really in a class of its own. You see, most greens products contain cereal grasses and certain proteins that can cause digestive distress and inflammation as well. You see, most of them have things like wheat grass and barley grass, and those cereal grasses contain a lectin called wheat germ agglutinin or WGA, which is highly inflammatory. Certain experts believe that WGA may be as responsible for the health damaging effects of wheat as gluten. And many who are gluten sensitive also have issues with WGA. So Paleo Valley set out to produce the best, highest quality organic super greens powder without the cereal grasses. And they use only the finest, most bioavailable superfoods, helping your body absorb those valuable vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, and enzymes found in each delicious serving. There's no fillers, no indigestible ingredients, just 23 nutrient-rich organic superfoods full of the nutrients you need for a vibrant, healthy life. And it's so easy. It'll only take you 30 seconds a day. You simply add a scoop to a glass of water or milk or smoothie like coconut milk or making a smoothie or even your favorite baked goods recipe and make your day that much healthier. It's USDA organic, gluten-free, non-GMO, no fillers, no cereal grains. It is low carb, zero added sugars, no sugar alcohols or artificial sweeteners, keto-friendly. You guys are going to love this stuff. Guys, check it out at paleovalley.com forward slash jockers and use the coupon code jockers, my last name at checkout, to save 15% off your order. Again, that's paleovalley.com forward slash jockers. Use the coupon code jockers at checkout to save 15% off today. Welcome back to the podcast. We've got another exciting Q&A session today where we're going to talk about some common questions we get with fasting, weight loss resistance. We're going to discuss that. We're going to also talk about uh, you know, a topic that is getting more and more pressed. We're going to talk about myocarditis and its uh, implication with the vaccine. We're going to talk about strategies you can take um, to help give yourself the best possible chance to obviously prevent that and then also to heal naturally from that. So stay tuned for that. We're also going to talk about, we're going to answer some questions on low stomach acid, on thyroid issues and uh, and and high inflammatory markers, high CRP, high ferritin. And these are all great questions that we have gotten from our community. You guys have asked these on Instagram, on YouTube, um, into our website as well. So if you're not following me on YouTube, follow Dr. David Jockers, subscribe to our channel. Um, if you're not following me on Instagram, look for Dr. Jockers on Instagram. You can ask questions and it may make it to one of these Q&A sessions 
And joining me today is Hampton Young. He's been on before uh, for these Q and A's, and also we've uh, we've done some great interviews as well together. And Hampton is one of the great uh, health coaches here at drjockers.com. He works with people all around the world virtually and really helps troubleshoot their chronic issues, finding the root causes and giving them natural customized programs to help uh, to help them get well naturally. And so Hampton, how are you doing today? Hey, Dr. Jockers, I'm doing great. Um, glad to be here. Always, always a good conversation with you. And um, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to adding some value to the viewers here. Like you said, there's a lot of good questions. So uh, I'm excited. I'm ready for it. Sounds great. And how do our viewers reach out to you directly? It's just Hampton at drjockers.com? Yeah, exactly. Hampton at drjockers.com. Um, reach out to me. As Dr. Jocker said, I love to do uh, lab reviews, particularly um, uh, functional blood chemistry reviews, looking over you know all the body systems and seeing what's functioning well optimally and how we can improve other areas and systems of the body and kind of as you as you mentioned um, putting together a whole you know holistic protocol program for you as an individual to um, really get you where you want to be and reach your health goals so hampton at drjockers.com all right wonderful and let's go into the questions here all right so first up we have jessica on instagram asked uh, well she says i've been fasting for about a month uh, let's see, 13 to 17 hours daily, uh, five to six days a week. I work out about three to four days a week, doing high intensity interval training type workouts for about 20 minutes. I know I'm doing my body some good. <clears throat> However, I'm not losing weight. What do you think this could be? Is this insulin resistance, too many calories in my window, et cetera? I'm stumped. Okay. So basically she is doing a daily intermittent fast. She said between 13 and 17 hours. She's also doing high intensity exercise. That was five to six days a week. So mm -hmm. getting getting a lot of exercise in. She's also obviously doing the intermittent fasting. Now, of course, we don't know the baseline as far as like where her body fat is right now currently and how much healthy weight to lose. Like may, she may be lean already. We don't, we don't even know. You know, obviously there's people that are very lean and they they think they're not, right? And so um, so we don't know where her baseline is to begin with. Um, you know, that's an important thing, but we also have to look at some other factors when it comes to weight loss. Obviously, intermittent fasting is a great thing to be doing to, to bring down inflammation, to help improve insulin sensitivity, blood sugar stability. Exercise obviously is fantastic for your body to, to, to build lean body tissue, to turn up mitochondrial function and improve overall cellular energy. But you also need to make sure you're sleeping well and keeping stress down, right? If you're not sleeping well, if you're stressed out, um, you are going to have higher stress hormones and that can cause higher blood sugar and it can cause higher insulin levels. And insulin is our fat storage hormones. When insulin's elevated, you're not going to be able to burn fat effectively. Now, theoretically, fasting should be able to help lower that. However, if your body is overwhelmed by stress, you are going to continue to have issues. That's a, a big thing. Another big thing is your toxic load. Now, of course, fasting and exercise help you to reduce your toxic load. However, if your toxic load is really, really high, your body might, uh, well, basically it will have higher levels of insulin resistance and it will want to hold on to fat because that's actually where we store body fat, or I'm sorry, store toxins is in our body fat, right? That's actually where we store them. And so if your toxic load is really high, the body won't want to liberate those toxins to protect other more valuable tissues like brain tissue and your heart tissue and your liver. 
Um, and so we want to hold them and harbor them in the fat, right? In fact, I've seen cases where um, where women had breast implants and breast implants, unfortunately, those the compounds that are in them are very, very toxic. And so they're constantly leaching out toxins. And when they got the implants out, like they were doing fasting, they were exercising, they were eating right, they were sleeping well. But when they got the implants out, that was when they finally lost that extra 10 to 15 pounds that they just couldn't lose before because they lowered their toxic load. So that's a factor. I've seen people that were in moldy homes, right? And they were trying to do all these healthy things, but their body, they had so much mycotoxin exposure that um, you know their, their body wanted to hold on to the body fat because it was storing a lot of those mycotoxins in the fat, the fat tissue. So toxic load is another thing that we really need to consider and look at. In general, it sounds like those are good strategies that she's applying. And we can obviously, and, and we're going to come back to touching on uh, in a later question on how to implement intermittent fasting around a menstrual cycle, because that is another area that we can we can discuss here and how to utilize that correctly. However, in general, the fasting, the exercise seem good. You just want to make sure you're not overtraining. You want to make sure that you're really prioritizing good sleep. You want to you want to keep your stress down, stress under control. And of course, obviously, we'll look at you know what you're what you're eating, right? And and that also plays a big role as well. Yeah, I mean, those were my thoughts exactly. Um, I think the three majors that you hit on was yes, are we are we ramping cortisol up? Um, are we, you know that's going to affect blood sugar and that's going to affect insulin? That kind of triage there. Um, so I'm just really reiterating what you said with the exercise. Make sure you're not overtraining, and mm. we're going to hit on some female uh, cycling, you know, patterns with fasting a little bit later that can be really helpful. So stay tuned for that. But um, so that's one. And I think detoxification is so underrated in a sense. I mean, we hear about it all the time, but we don't really realize, well, it's not just because I have headaches or I'm, I'm physically sick, but it has a lot to do with so many functions in the body and weight loss, weight resistance, insulin resistance. All these are factors that can definitely contribute. So I love that. Um, did I have a third one? Oh, and then so sh you mentioned diet. Of course, there's a lot of implications there. We don't know in this context how many calories you're eating. Are you are you eating a ketogenic diet or, you, you know, balanced macros? We don't know any of that. But I think, um, yeah, how, your, your window. I mean, are you eating, trying to cram everything in in a kind of a, a stress state that's going to that's going to mess with insulin, cortisol? you know, your digestive process. So that could be a factor we don't know. So yes, like as Dr. Jocker said, just paying attention to how you're eating. Are you eating stressed? You know, the quantity you're eating, how well are you digesting the foods? If you've been on keto, are you, is, are you getting into a fat adapted state? Do you have mental clarity? Do you, is your energy levels there? Are you just kind of forcing yourself through these three to four hard, intense workouts? So paying attention to that, um, maybe you already are, I think is, is very valuable to, um, to look at there. So Totally agree. And overtraining is a really big thing. And so depending on the stress levels in your life, like for example, I mean, when we, when my wife and I had our twin boys, I was working out at that, that season of my life, six days a week and, uh, you know, 30, 45 minute workouts. And I felt great doing it. And then all of a sudden we had the twins and we weren't sleeping at night and I got, I was getting weaker. I was still trying to work out mm -hmm. like that and I couldn't do it. And so I was overtraining, mm -hmm. actually had to cut back. And so depending on the season of life, you might be doing too much training, right? And so you have to kind of dial it in based on your overall stress load, um, yep. kind of like Hampton was saying. And, and really the same thing with a very low carb diet. Some people 
respond great to a very low carb diet and they can stay in it for longer periods of time than other people. Whereas, you know, certain individuals need a lot of variation. They need times where they're in low, where they're going low carb, but they also need times where they're moderate, maybe even higher carb um, to kind of create adaptation in their system and to tell their body that they're not always in a time of famine. So when we're in a time of famine, our body gets a little bit more thrifty to try to hold on right to, to stores and it, it may not be able to burn that fat. And so you may need to kind of trick it and kind of, you know, go for short periods of famine where you're telling the body, okay, you know, keeping insulin down by not eating a lot of carbs, by fasting, things like that. But then also, um, you know, periodically, maybe every day, even, uh, you know, maybe one meal a day, actually increasing the carbohydrates to tell the body, okay, now we're in a, a season of plenty. Right. And so now you can produce the right amount of hormones um, to help support overall, you know, sex hormone production and overall quality of life. And that can help with fat burning. So there's a lot of little nuances there that can be tailored in. But, you know, if you're where you're at, obviously start with what we talked about, you know, and, and those some of those ideas. But then you also may need to reach out to somebody like Hampton and get some lab work done. Right. Sometimes we can we can see underlying issues areas of inflammation. You know, we didn't even talk about infections. Sometimes there's an oral infection, right? That may be driving up your high sensitivity C-reactive protein and your ferritin that we'll be seeing on a lab, but you may not actually have any outward symptoms that would tell you that you might have this, you know, oral infection or infection in your gut or something along those lines that could be contributing to the issue with weight loss resistance here. So a lot of factors to look at. Um, you know, we didn't get enough information on the front end, but hopefully, you know, for you that are listening, this really helped you understand kind of a well-rounded holistic view of how we want to analyze this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well said. All right. So next question, Mary on Instagram asks, how do you know if you suffer from low stomach acid and what do you do to improve it? Low stomach acid is a really big issue. You know, typically when we're trying to digest food, our stomach acid, we need to get it somewhere between 1.5, maybe even down to 1.0 and kind of at the highest, maybe 2.2 to really break down and metabolize that food. And that's a very energy demanding process. And it also depends on a lot of key nutrients, things like zinc, for example, uh, thiamine, which is vitamin B1. We need to have enough of some of these key nutrients, certain B vitamins that are, that are a part of that process in order to, again, produce enough stomach acid, we also need to be in a state where we're more relaxed. You know, for for eating on the go, like so many do in our society, that is our sympathetic nervous system. If we're constant, if we're goal oriented, we're moving around, you know, we're we're you know, whatever it is, we're we're driving on the go. That's fight or flight, and that's counterintuitive. Like that's going to draw blood and energy away from our digestive system. So we need to be in a relaxed state in order to produce enough enough stomach acid, and we need to have the right nutrients. We need to make sure that our gut is as healthy as possible. And also when people age, as people age, they often start to lose their stomach acid production. So it's a really common thing that we see in natural health. And it is an underlying factor. It's it's one of the root causes in all chronic inflammatory conditions. And so we need to be able to produce stomach acid, signs that you may not be producing enough. Um, probably the biggest one is acid reflux. And a lot of people think acid reflux or heartburn is a sign of too much acid, but actually it's a sign of too little acid for the majority of cases. Um, and why that is, is because 
When you don't produce enough acid, food just sits, rots, and putrefies in your stomach, and it releases gas. And it doesn't move into the small intestine effectively. It just sits there, and it produces gas, which basically pops open that esophageal sphincter. or doesn't allow it to close well. And that's the sphincter that protects the delicate tissue of the esophagus from the acidic environment of the stomach. And even though you have too little stomach acid, you still the, – the the nature, the environment in your stomach is much more acidic than it is in the esophagus. So um, the juices that pop up now get into the esophagus and they burn the esophagus. And you may experience it um, as heartburn where you actually have noticeable symptoms. There's also a condition called silent reflux where people don't actually notice heartburn, but they might have to clear their throat a lot, for example, or they may have a tendency to get laryngitis and have to clear their throat and things like that. And that all can be a sign of, again, low stomach acid, not producing enough acid. So these are factors, you know, we got to look at. And then just poor digestion. You know, if you're not producing enough stomach acid, you're not going to be able to digest protein effectively. You're not going to be able to um, digest and absorb vitamin B12, iron, zinc, calcium, magnesium. So you're going to have a lot of these deficiencies, which can cause a whole number of different symptoms. I mean, acne is a really common one, cracked fingernails, um, you know, digestive issues, obviously, gas, bloating, constipation, um, in some cases, diarrhea. And there's a whole number of different issues. I know I'm missing a bunch, so I'll let you take over there, Hampton. Yeah, I mean, there's too many to name, right? I mean, digestion, it's the, it's the first, you know, part of digestion, really, aside from starting in the mouth, I mean, where you need stomach acid to, to break down and, and to do so much for amino acids. Again, you're getting into hormones, neurotransmitters, all your peptide hormones, insulin, all, all these hormones are made from amino acid backbones, a lot of them. So you need, you know, you need hydrochloric acid to help break those down into those small amino acids. Um, uh, she also asked, you know, a couple things to improve. I'd say you mentioned some um, of course, some deep breathing before a meal is very helpful to get, you know, digestive tone and the rested parasympathetic state. Uh, of course, apple cider vinegar, like we mentioned all the time, a tablespoon or so, uh, maybe five, 10 minutes before the meal and a little bit of water um, can be very helpful. Of course, taking HCL directly uh, as a supplement can be very helpful. Um, you could try, uh, you know, the HCL kind of challenge test with those you, you would start with one capsule with your meal and notice how you feel, how your digestion goes, and then continue to increase at each protein containing meal until you start to feel a warming sensation in your, in your stomach. And then that's kind of an indicator where you have sufficient stomach acid activity. And then you would back down by one capsule uh, and remain there um, as your adequate serving. Um, let's see what else, another kind of odd old naturopathic, um, I guess herb is called is cayenne, so cayenne peppers, maybe a spice, not a herb. Um, that's actually been shown to really stimulate um, the stomach acid production in the gut. It's just a little bit painful. The application is to have a little bit in your mouth, like an eighth of a teaspoon, and swish it around, and either spit it out or swallow it if you can bear that. But that was shown to really upregulate stomach acid. Um, it's not my favorite, but it's something if you're willing to try <laughs> that that you could. Um, and so, yeah, and I think you mentioned this, the cracked fingernails. I'd say even another indicator would be spot on the fingernails, which is commonly shown as a zinc deficiency, which is kind of that, that circular loop where if you have a zinc deficiency, then it's likely a low HCL production. Um, but you also need zinc coming in with vitamin, as you mentioned, to then help produce 
HCL. Um, and then I would say um, another nutrient is chloride. I mean, we get chloride from sodium chloride, from salt, from Celtic sea salt, Redmond's real salt, all the real whole salts that you have with all the trace minerals. Um, make sure you're getting that in adequate amounts, salting to taste with your meals. You can do put some in your water. Um, I'm a big fan of that first thing in the morning. I, I do a fourth of a teaspoon of, of some really high quality salt as a, amongst other things in my, in my water in the morning. And that's a really good, just foundational element that we need to make HCL. So, um, uh, and yeah, then, that's, that's great. Mm -hmm. yep. And, and a couple, a couple other conditions too. I want to, I want to point out for some people autoimmune conditions, most, almost all autoimmune conditions. I mean, certainly not hundred percent, but I would say if you have autoimmune conditions, probably 80 to 90% chance you have got low stomach acids, really, really common, uh, with autoimmune conditions. Also things like osteoporosis or just muscle wasting. Cause again, you're not digesting the proteins effectively that you need. Right. So it's so key. A lot of brain issues because magnesium, vitamin B12 play such an important role. And you know, of course, we need stomach acid in order to, to produce those. So if you have chronic inflammatory conditions, it's a really good idea to, to, to look at stomach acid levels. And a simple test you can do is a baking soda test where you take a ba basically about a half a teaspoon of baking soda, put it in some water and drink it. Normally, you should, you should belch, actually. The sodium bicarbonate combines with the stomach acid, hydrochloric acid, produces carbon dioxide, as a byproduct, if you have enough, and you should burp, right? So you should burp out that carbon dioxide usually within two minutes or so. Okay. And a lot of people never burp. That's a sign very low stomach acid. If it's between two and five minutes, usually it means kind of a mild or, or early stage low stomach acid. And so these are things, and that you want to do that basically first thing in the morning. So it's a simple at home test that you can look at with this. Uh, to understand more. And we can see um, on labs, we can actually see a lot of biomarkers that are associated with low stomach acid too. So we can actually do tests and labs with this. You also mentioned that BT and HCL challenge test where you just take some BT and HCL with like a, a steak, for example, or you can even do, I, I call it the steak test, where basically you eat a six ounce steak. Normally you should feel great, right? You should feel great for three or four hours after that. It's a lot of protein, healthy fats. You know, ideally you're getting grass-fed steak, um, but you really can do it with any sort of steak. You eat that steak, you know, you you should feel great. If you're burping, belching, if you feel fatigued, if you've got um, acid reflux, if you have, uh, you know, just digestive issues, if you feel more fatigued, mental, uh, mental clarity issues, if you have brain fog, all signs that, you're not producing enough stomach acid and your body, it's actually creating more inflammation in your system. So you can do the at-home steak test as well to see if you're producing enough stomach acid. So all important things. And uh, you mentioned some really great strategies. I also really like ginger tea. I think ginger tea is a really good way or even just chewing on some ginger. You mentioned cayenne. Ginger can be really pungent and spicy as well. So you just kind of get some ginger root, chew on some ginger. Um, and that can really help facilitate the vagus nerve and uh, and facilitate the production of stomach acid. So that's really good. And then I've got one other strategy that most people don't think about. However, you know, if you really understand how you're, you know, kind of the mechanics of eating, it makes a lot of sense. You actually want to eat. So when you're trying to basically like you, you need your stomach acid, particularly for meat. So if you're eating a, let's say a meat dish, and maybe there's a little bit of starch in the meal and there's a salad. 
you need as much of that stomach acid on that meat to get the protein, break the protein down, to get the vitamin B12, to get the zinc, right? That's kind of where those nutrients are. It's going to be in the meat. So you actually eat your protein dish first when you eat your meal. Now, most people would think you eat your salad first. You can eat a little bit of it, particularly if it's got like arugula or if it's got mm-hmm. some sort of bitters to it. Or like a, if you have like a sauerkraut, for example, that's a really good idea because that helps stimulate stomach acid. But you mostly want to eat the meat because the meat actually you want at the bottom of your stomach because when your body does produce a stomach acid, the most concentrated area is going to be at the bottom, right? Because gravity kind of brings it down. It's going to be at the bottom. So you want your meat sitting there getting that concentrated stomach acid before it moves into the small intestine. And then you can eat your starch and your your veggies, right? Later, because they don't need as much stomach acid, so they can kind of sit on top of that. So that's another good strategy to help support overall protein, mineral, vitamin B12 digestion is to do something along those lines, along with a lot of the strategies you talked about and I mentioned as well. Yeah, I wanted to tag one last thing. I know we've gone long on this, but it's just pivotal. It's It's an important topic. It is. And so um, one other way you can know, you know, along the signs, if if you have, let's say, one to two of the signs that either I or Dr. Joggers has mentioned, if you also have a, you know, gut infection or dysbiosis or you think SIBO or you know SIBO, you test it or, or whatever, that this HCL, the stomach acid is the front line of defense, everything coming in. That's really the first line where it's getting neutralized, broken down, and destroyed any you know pathogenic microbes that don't belong in the body. So low stomach acid is going. You're you're not going to have that defense line, and then it's going to go down into the lower small intestine, the lower GI, and then that's where infections can set up and dysbiosis can occur. So if you know you have dysbiosis, that's also a big sign that stomach acid acid should be addressed and looked at for sure because we see that all the time, and that's something that I always emphasize just with clients in general, looking at stomach acid production that just kind of goes hand in hand with, with gut whenever we're working on gut infections or anything like that. I just wanted to interrupt this podcast to tell you about one of my favorite supplements. It's called curcumin gold. You guys know I'm a huge advocate of turmeric, this Indian spice and the different polyphenols and compounds in there that help reduce inflammation. The most well-studied is curcumin, Curcumin has been shown to outperform your typical non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs like ibuprofen, Advil, and Tylenol in many different studies by reducing pain and inflammation without the harmful side effects. And what I love about the curcumin gold is that it contains turmeric curcumin extract. It contains vegan omega-3s made from algae, the long-chain Uh, omega-3 called DHA, which is so powerful for the brain, so powerful for heart health and reducing inflammation. It also has ginger oil. Those carefully selected ingredients support healthy joint function and address the root cause of inflammation within your body. Now, trust me when I say you won't find anything else on the market quite like this. In fact, my friends over at Purality Health have a patented formula that utilizes something called micelle liposomal technology, which delivers nutrients directly into your bloodstream. And it's proven to be 800% more efficient than traditional supplements. Even better, it's backed by a 180-day money-back guarantee. And today, we have a 30% off coupon just for you. Visit PurityHealth.com. 
Use the coupon DRJ to access 30% off today. Okay, let's let's go. Let's see who's next. Angela on YouTube asked, I have Gilbert syndrome and thyroid issues. Can I still have fats? I find it difficult to digest fats. Um, yeah, I'm in a hard place. Any help? Yeah, yeah. So Gilbray's Gilbray's syndrome um, is basically a, a condition where you have elevated bilirubin. So your body doesn't break down bilirubin as well. Bilirubin is uh, part of a red blood cell. So your body, your spleen actually breaks down red blood cells. Bilirubin, um, you know, is is basically taken up by the liver, and it's part of our bile, right? Which help comes out of our body through our feces. Actually, gives bile uh, or gives gives our, our, our stool a brown color, right? And so if you have elevated bilirubin, there could be an issue, obviously, with your gallbladder, your liver, things like that. Um, could be an issue with your spleen. However, in Gil Gilbray syndrome, you the, the individual has normal liver enzymes, right? And no kind of distinguishable issues that are found when it comes to liver health. They just don't break down the bilirubin as well. So it's elevated in the blood, right? So they have elevated bilirubin in their blood, which oftentimes is a marker for oxidative stress, right? So if I see bilirubin elevated in the blood, I think, okay, maybe a liver gallbladder issue, or maybe an issue with oxidative stress, high oxidative stress. However, research, research study, I was looking at this 2021 came out with people with Gilbray syndrome. They actually have lower inflammatory markers than um, in, in general um, than people who don't, right? So it actually, the bilirubin acts as a, it's actually an antioxidant, right? And so, um, so very interesting from that perspective. However, some individuals with Gilbray syndrome don't metabolize fat very well, right? And of course, you know, people with this kind of condition can certainly develop a lot of other health issues, just even unrelated. And so the, so, um, it was Angela, she, she mentioned thyroid mm -hmm. issues. Okay. And so I think the issue with her, she's not digesting fats well, has more to do with the thyroid issue than the Gilbray's syndrome. Okay. Because really that's a bit more of a benign issue, uh, the Gilbray's, whereas the thyroid issue, you need thyroid hormone in order to move bile, right? In order to, to create bile, in order to um, have good bile flow, you need healthy amount of thyroid hormone. And so, and also for stomach acid production, which going back to that, you need good stomach acid production for good bile flow, right? So thyroid hormone plays a key role in all the mechanics of the digestive system. And so if she's not getting enough thyroid hormone, she's not going to have good digestive mechanics. So, you know, go, so that's really what we need to treat. Now, can she consume fat? Well, in, in the short term, if she's not feeling very good, if she eats a higher fat meal, then trim down the fat a little bit. Also, you can take digestive enzymes, particularly enzymes that have a compound called lipase. And also, it's a good idea to take one with um, betaine HCL and ox bile. I know we have one on our store called Super Digest HCL that has all of that. It's got the digestive enzymes. It's got betaine HCL. It's got the ox bile. Really good for somebody in this kind of condition to help support all those digestive mechanics and improve the overall digestion. Now, to support the thyroid, of course, we need good stomach acid because we need zinc. Zinc is critical. Selenium, really critical. Both of those nutrients, those minerals, super critical for thyroid health. And so, you know, again, going back to stomach acid, we need the good digestive mechanics. 
And so that's always key. I've also seen a lot of people with thyroid issues, they have underlying gut dysbiosis, right? Is one of the main factors. And so oftentimes taking probiotics can be really, really helpful to support uh, thyroid hormone production and utilization in the body. So that's kind of some low hanging fruit. Um, you know, we actually have a thyroid support supplement. It's got iodine, it's got selenium, it's got um, a bunch of different herbs that have been shown to help support thyroid hormone production. So we call that thyroid strong. And so that's kind of low hanging fruit without getting into labs and, you know, different details that may be involved with the labs. We've seen those supplements and, and those strategies really help support people. Of course, you know, being on an elimination diet, making sure you're going gluten-free, taking out a lot of processed foods. There's a strong link in the literature between gluten intolerance and Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is the most common reason people have thyroid disorders, um, is this autoimmune condition called Hashimoto's thyroiditis. And so going on a gluten-free diet, um, you may have to eliminate some other foods. Perhaps some, some people respond poorly to dairy. Some people respond poorly to nightshades. But in the, in the beginning, I would definitely for sure start with going gluten-free, um, taking out processed foods, uh, looking and making sure you're avoiding all the different seed oils and uh, and any sort of processed food that's high in sugar and, and bad ingredients, additives, preservatives, things like that. And trying to go as organic as possible, grass-fed, organic, animal products, wild-caught fish, things like that. That will help reduce your toxic load. It will help reduce inflammatory provoking agents. And for a lot of people, they feel a lot better right? Just from there, right? And uh, making those kind of changes, maybe adding some probiotics, the enzymes, like I talked about. Oftentimes that can, that can be big. Vitamin D would be another big one that I would, I would focus on. All right. And if you do those things and you're still not seeing any changes or any results within a month, then it's, you know, it's, it's even more important to reach out to a great health coach, somebody like Hampton here, um, that can better understand what's happening with these labs, what's happening inside your body. Maybe you've got a hidden stealth infection inside your system. We talked about infections in the mouth, gut infections, parasites, candida overgrowth, um, bacterial overgrowth in your small intestine. Uh, there's a number of different issues, right? Mold exposure that could be the underlying root cause, what's driving the thyroid issues. And so we've got to get to that root cause and address it and take that weight off of you. So that way your body can start producing thyroid hormone the way it's supposed to. And then you'll get the, you'll get better stomach acid and bile production and be able to digest fats more effectively. Yeah. I like that. Um, especially with the, the thyroid focus and if there is inflammation, autoimmune type reactions going on, um, there's some great studies, um, with using specifically like selenium and acetal and a, a wide spectrum high dose probiotic um, has shown you know a lot of uh, merited a lot of good success uh, with specifically with more Hashimoto's thyroiditis inflammatory responses going on. Um, I think diet as far as in, incorporating you know more functional fibers could be helpful too to support you know kind of hand in hand with the bile. You do that from Jerusalem artichokes and all the crefisters, vegetables, um, apple pectins and inulins, different fibers can be very supportive there as well for the gut, thyroid, bile kind of function. I'm thinking um, back to the Gilberts. I know that's more of a mild thing. If it, if it is, you know, the liver is challenged with it, the conjugation is what I'm thinking. The factors of the amino acids like taurine, glycine, um, some of these conjugating amino acids that help 
the um, the breakdown of the bilirubin, um, you know, liberating that iron and recycling the amino acids. Um, that's phase two in the liver, a big process there. So um, just supporting that, you could support that with some of those amino acids, or just eat some some proteins with those amino acids that are that are rich, mostly animal sources of protein. Um, and then the glutathione conjugation pathway, glutathione, we talk about that a lot. Um, overall, just critical, I think it's 60% of most of the liver's detoxification is utilizing that pathway. So foods like walnuts, avocados, cabbage, broccoli, asparagus, those are all really going to be helpful <clears throat> to naturally um, give your body glutathione. And you can do a reduced form of glutathione in a supplement. Um, all those could be additional um, support for your liver and that's going to help thyroid liver um to combine so those are those are some good areas and liver bitters is another thing i i like a lot too um for for stimulating enzymes supporting just the, the bitter um uh aspect of the herbs stimulates bile and that's always going to be um, a positive factor for any any of these things that are going on yeah for sure you mentioned uh, liver bitters, I always say bitter is good for your liver. And so things like dandelion, cilantro, parsley, artichoke, radishes, right? These things that kind of have this sort of bitter, bitter type taste. Um, mm -hmm. Very, very good for stimulating, thinning out the bile, stimulating better bile flow. Also stomach acid, they were, they help with stomach acid production as well. Ginger, I mentioned earlier, um, peppermint. So all of those things can be really, really good and very, very supportive here. Uh, even fermented some, you know, obviously, unless you're not breaking down histamine, well, fermented vegetables like sauerkraut can be really helpful. If you feel good eating, eating it, then great. Have a little bit of that with each meal. And that can be really supportive. Same with apple cider vinegar to support the stomach acid will also help support bile flow. So these are a lot of really great, helpful strategies. One other thing that can help is doing some, doing a castor oil pack over mm. your liver, right? And you can do it kind of at night. Um, we, we have a great article on castor oil. It kind of shows you how to do it. And there's a great brand queen of thrones, castor oil. And so basically you just get the castor oil. It's very dilating for your, your liver, your bile ducts. You put it on this kind of flannel that comes with it when you buy the pack. And, um, basically you just wrap it around and you really want to keep it on for about 45 minutes to an hour. So a lot of people will just sleep with it overnight. And I mean, it's totally fine if it stays on longer, cause you want it to dry in, you want it to get on your skin and then dry in. Of course, you don't want to get it on your bedding. So that's why it's in a flannel wrap to protect it. And that will get in there. And again, it will open up the bile ducts, right? And allow your body to kind of push toxins. And so when people do that overnight, I like them to take a binder. So like activated charcoal or, you know, we have a couple of great ones on our website. We got GI detox, which has kind of a combination of zeolite, fulvic acid, um, charcoal, but a number of different, different, uh, binders that are in there. Mm -hmm. We also have specific binders for mold and mycotoxins. We have specific binders for heavy metals, things like that, but having some sort of a good binder, which is basically almost like a sponge where it grabs, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't release. It just grabs, holds on. It's like a glove grabs and holds on to toxins and helps bring them out through your bowels and castor oil will also help with healthy bowel movements, giving you a better rhythm with your bowel movements. So you can move your bowels in the morning. It's one of the best and easiest strategies you can do to really improve your gut and your liver bile health is actually just put this castor oil pack on at night on a regular basis 
And I mean, you don't even think about it. I mean, obviously, just like anything, when anytime you change up your bedtime routine, it takes a little getting used to, right? It, it, even just feeling it on your body gets a little it takes a little getting used to. But after like a day or two, um, it's easy. It's simple, and you will notice results with it. So that's another great strategy to help support liver, gallbladder health, and overall gut health. Again, it's going to help normalize your bowel movements. So really good stuff. Yeah, love castor oil. It's a classic. All right, so Mark on YouTube asks, what is the best natural supplement for reducing joint pain? Reducing joint pain, you know, and we could do a whole, whole, you know, yeah. lecture on joint pain itself, but we'll keep it to his question because I know we have a few other questions. So best natural supplement, I will give you a few. I really like uh, proteolytic enzymes. These are enzymes that you take. They're pro protein breakdown enzymes. That's what proteolytic means. And you take them away from meals. If you take them with meals, they're going to break down the protein, which is going to help your digestion, but it's not going to get into your bloodstream. And the goal when we're looking, using proteolytic enzymes to reduce joint pain is we get these enzymes into the bloodstream where they break down inflammatory compounds. And so they can be really helpful taking on an empty stomach. A lot of people see really, really good results using proteolytic enzymes. There's a, a, a famous one called Wobe enzyme, which is the first one I used uh, early on in my professional career. And we have one that I think is even better. It's called proteo enzymes right on our store that you guys can check out. Um, but they're, they're not hard to get proteolytic enzymes. You just look that up. A lot of good, good studies and research on it. A lot of people seeing really good results using proteolytic enzymes. And then, so that's one really good one. And I also really like omega-3 fatty acids, omega-3s, um, are super important for bringing down inflammation, particularly cell-to-cell -cell inflammation where they impact pro uh, prostaglandin, prostaglandins, and they're really good for joint pain. A lot of people notice very good improvements with joint pain, but you want to make sure you get a really good omega-3 that also has, that's because omega-3s are very fragile. These fish oils are very fragile or krill oils or whatever. So you want to make sure you get one that's got antioxidants like rosemary extract or something like that to help preserve it. So, um, so that it's, it's functional. We have one called pro omega CRP, which I really like the reason why they call it CRP at the end is C reactive protein. It helps to bring down, which is one of the main inflammatory compounds. Typically people that have chronic pain usually have high CRP and it's also associated with higher risk of, uh, heart disease, cancer, stroke, things like that. And so this is, this combines, uh, Curcumin, which was going to be the third one that I was going to talk about, or turmeric, right? It's really probably the best herb for that, along with frankincense and boswellia uh, and ginger are really the best herbs for bringing down pain. So you can use frankincense essential oil if you want. We talked about ginger tea or munching on ginger, but you can get a lot of these in a supplement. I know the Pro Omega CRP has uh, curcumin, and it also has glutathione boosting agent called N-acetylcysteine, which also has been shown to bring down pain and inflammation as well. So, um, so that's a great one. We have one called Inflam Defense that has got the Boswellia, which is the plant of, you know, basically frankincense and Boswellia are in the same family um, or same compound. Um, so the Boswellic acids that you find there, really powerful for bringing down inflammation. It's got the turmeric, the curcumin, which is the active ingredient in turmeric. And it's got the ginger in there as well. And then there's a bunch of other compounds, including proteolytic enzymes that are in our inflamed defense product. So <laughs> to summarize that, I like uh, proteolytic enzymes. I like omega-3 fats. I like turmeric, frankincense, and ginger as kind of my top five for reducing pain. 
I like all those. Um, you took some of mine, but that's all right because they're, they're they're some of the best, right? So yes, that um, CBD can be helpful. Mm. Um, that's another one for the endocannabinoid system. Without the THC in it, um, there's a lot of great research, and a lot of people do get a lot of effect directly for more of an immediate pain reduction. Um, I would say that's not the. Of course, everything we talk about, you want to get to the root cause of the issue. What's creating the inflammation? Is it, you know, overuse? Is it diet? Is it toxins, infections, stress? We've got to get there, but the immediate pain reduction is part of it. So CBD can be super helpful. Um, there's a lot of good, you just want to make sure similar to like the EPA, omega fat, three fatty acids, you want to get a super high quality. There's a lot um, that aren't high quality on the market. So you just want to um, do your research. I think Charlotte's Web is one that's it's a good one, but there's some others. I can't think off the top of my head. Um, so don't just run out and go grab any anyone. Um, so CBD, and then I was actually, you know, thinking about castor oil in this regard too, topically. And if you combine that with um, the cayenne pepper, that is really a, um, a cool combination that helps draw out the inflammatory mm. proteins of the joint itself, and as well as increasing circulation and oxygenation through the tissues um, it, it's, you just apply it topically, just like you would do over the liver, as Dr. Jocker shared earlier for liver support, but again, right on the knee or the elbow or hip, wherever, um, great, great strategy from a topical standpoint. So I like that. And then you can always do a magnesium spray topically as well for more of a local peripheral mm. kind of support. Um, I like those in addition to the, the supplements or the herbs that you share. Yeah, as well. yeah, for sure. We've got the magnesium with MSM topical mm -hmm. spray. And the MSM yeah. sulfur compounds help helps yep. to boost up glutathione to bring down inflammation. And again, it's got the magnesium, which has like a natural muscle relaxing type effect. Yeah, yeah really good. Excellent. This podcast is sponsored by Liver Health Formula from Pure Health Research. For anyone looking to ignite their fat-burning metabolism, boost their energy, and transform how they look and feel, they must start taking care of their liver. Your liver is your body's master detoxifier. It performs over 500 key functions in your body every single day. It's responsible for cleansing and removing thousands of harmful toxins, man-made chemicals, alcohol, and dangerous food additives and preservatives. And after decades of wear and tear, our livers slow down and they become sluggish. And this is why so many of us struggle with weight gain and feeling tired all the time. Fortunately, there's a simple all natural solution that I recommend. It's called Liver Health Formula. Liver Health Formula contains 12 powerful botanicals clinically proven to recharge and protect your liver at the cellular level. It helps restore your liver's detoxifying abilities. It boosts your energy levels and can kick your natural metabolism into high gear. It also works remarkably well to fight fatty liver, which is a silent epidemic affecting 100 million Americans. And right now, as a listener of our show, you can try Liver Health Formula completely risk-free and receive five free gifts when you order today. First, you're going to receive a free 30-day supply of nano-powered omega-3. This powerful blend of omega-3 fatty acids supports a healthy heart and brain with four times better absorption thanks to this special nano delivery system. You're also getting four free eBooks to support every aspect of your health and longevity, regardless of age. 
Just go to getliverhelp.com forward slash jockers or call toll free at 800-282-1757 to claim your risk-free supply of liver health formula and all five bonus gifts. That's get liver help. So G-E-T-L-I-V-E-R-H-E-L-P.com forward slash jockers or call 800-282-1757. You're covered by their 365-day money-back guarantee, so you have nothing to risk. But supplies are limited, so go head over to getliverhelp.com forward slash chalkers or call toll-free at 800-282-1757 now to order liver health formula and claim your five free bonus gifts while you still can. That's getliverhelp.com forward slash jockers or call 800-282-1757. All right, let's keep going here. Um, Debbie on Instagram asked, I've heard that many people are having myocarditis from the COVID vaccine. Uh, what can we do to help prevent and treat this naturally? For sure. We've, we've certainly seen a huge uptick in myocarditis uh, since the vaccine uh, came out. And there's a lot of uh, people have come out linking that, right? And linking that mm. association. A lot of young people having myocarditis, particularly seems to be higher in younger men uh, than younger women, but younger women are having it as well. So myocarditis basically means inflammation in the cardiac muscle, right? So you have kind of three layers. You have the um, the, you have the uh, endocardium, right? Which is basically kind of the, the, the endothelial lining of the blood vessels, right? And then you've got the myocardium, which is the muscle, and then you've got the epicardium, which is kind of the outer layer. And then you've got the pericardium, which is kind of a, a layer around the heart. And any one of those areas, you can get an, you can get inflammation, right? That affects any one of those areas. So myocarditis is obviously affecting the actual contractile tissue, the actual muscle tissue there, which certainly can be, you know, a significant issue. And that can cause, you know, one of the telltale signs, people will have abnormal heart rhythms, right? Abnormal heartbeats they'll skip a beat or, you know, they'll have a lot of pain, right. In the, in their heart, um, in their heart region. And so, um, obviously, you know, from, a, from a natural health perspective, the way that we're going to look at this is, and, and, and there can be a number of factors that are associated with this infections, you know, can oftentimes be a root cause of developing myocarditis. Um, and, and then of course, um, you know, anything that's, that's affecting blood flow in general, can also be a factor in myocarditis as well. So from a natural health perspective, what we want to do is do everything we can to help optimize the immune system and uh, bring inflammation under control. I think that's a huge element of this. So we talk about diet, so good nutrition strategies, super important, practicing intermittent fasting. One of the best things you can do to bring down inflammation you know, where you're fasting for, let's say 16 hours and you're only eating your meals in like an eight hour eating window, that can be really helpful. Or even, you know, if you're feeling good with that, maybe even tightening your eating window to six hours, let's say, and you don't have to do that every day, but doing that a few days a week can be really helpful for bringing down inflammation, trying to focus your diet on healthy protein from grass fed and wild caught animal products. Um, as well as healthy fats like high polyphenol extra virgin olive oil, I think is one of the best things you could be putting in your body to help bring down inflammation, particularly cardiac related inflammation. The um, and we, we talked about joint pain. I didn't mention olive oil, but olive oil has oleocanthal, oleocanthals, and then it also has 
um, hydroxytyrosol, which both of them act like kind of a natural ibuprofen, right? So they help bring down inflammation. These really powerful polyphenols also very rich in vitamin E as well, which tends to be very good for the endothelial lining, right? So the inner lining of the blood vessels, which is very important. We know we need to make sure we've got good blood flow to support the cardiac muscle. So that can be really, really helpful getting that extra virgin olive oil in there. Um, lots of, you know, green leafy vegetables and um, healthy plant-based foods that are non-starchy, some healthy fruit. You know, we think about like, look at when you look at pomegranate, for example, mm-hmm. you cut open a pomegranate looks like, you know, the chambers of the heart. And so pomegranate we know has anthocyanins. It has oleic acid in there. It's got a lot of these powerful polyphenol compounds to support our microbiome and allow our microbiome to produce more butyric acid, which is a short chain fatty acid that reduces inflammation, particularly very strong at reducing inflammation in the blood vessels themselves that support the heart. So it can lower our risk of heart disease. So very powerful there. So getting some of the polyphenol effects of berries, pomegranate um, can be super helpful. Resveratrol is a compound. You know, they talk about people that drink red wine with lower risk of heart disease, for example. Now, I don't think that drinking a lot of red wine is really going to be the, the 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 best benefit. I think you can get a lot better benefit from taking a supplement with clinical dose of resveratrol in it. And that can be really, really helpful. Um, optimizing your vitamin D, we know, is super helpful. Making sure you've got enough glutathione or taking something like N-acetylcysteine can be really supportive here. And that's been shown to help bring down inflammation um, in the heart and in the myocardium as well. And so those are some really, really good strategies just off the bat. Um, Hampton, what's coming to your mind? Well, when you're mentioning um, those red pigmented foods, uh, I think of the poly or the, um, well, I was thinking of polyphenols, yes, but the doctrine of signatures where the food that looks like the, the organ or system it actually has been shown to have those nutrients and a, a lot of other factors that we don't even fully understand to support that system. And so the pomegranate's one, you cut open a tomato, of course, it's a nightshade. So if you have inflammatory issues, that might not be the best, but if you don't, it can be fantastic. It's got lycopene in it. Yep. If you cut it open, it's got chambers. It looks just like a heart. I just did it the other day and I was like, wow, that's pretty awesome. So I was just reminded of that when you were speaking of that. So all of your red colored pigmented fruits, vegetables be fantastic for all the nutrition in there. Um, I do like systemic enzymes, um, you know, here, uh, Mm. particularly with any spike protein, it's a protein complex. And so your body's naturally trying to deregulate, um, you know, that um, from continuing to replicate. So systemic enzymes, proteolytic enzymes, particularly, as you mentioned, um, I think could be highly supportive. Uh, Coenzyme Q10, ubiquinol form, ubiquinol is the active form, um, can be supportive as well for the heart muscle itself. Um, most uh, coenzyme Q10 is produced inside of the mitochondria in the heart. Um, so that could be additional supplemental support. Carnitines, uh, amino acids that helps regulate fatty acid metabolism, and the, fa- the, the heart runs primarily on fatty acids. So that could be something that could be helpful. Of course, the trace minerals, um, magnesium, that, those are critical. Um, you mentioned intermittent fasting. Um, I know some folks that are supporting individuals that, you know, believe they're, they're having, you know, these associated uh, uh, carditis and, and various other uh, serious implications. 
um, have had great results from doing a three-day water fast, just a, mm. just a, a standard yeah. three-day water fast combined with some of these nutraceuticals and, and supplements um, stacked in can be really helpful. Um, I think the sauna, if you have access to mm. one or you own yeah. one, it's very, very helpful to regulate heat shock proteins. That does a lot for um, just regulating detoxification processes in the body, and that can be very beneficial in this context. Um, and alpha lipoic acid is another water soluble and fat soluble, um, agent in the body that, that really helps particularly in the liver. Cause a lot of what we want to facilitate is we're talking about the heart, but the, the liver is filtering, uh, you know, everything in the blood and taking out things and putting things in reconfiguring proteins, everything. So, um, I think those are some, some helpful uh, things you could consider in this context as well. Yeah, I love that. And we know fasting, obviously, especially when you start going into deeper fasts, more than mm -hmm. 16, you know, like a like a full day fast or three or five day fast, you get into deep levels of autophagy, mm -hmm. right? And there is research that your cardiac cells will undergo autophagy. And the fact that's critical for these cardiac cells because they're under a lot of stress. And so they need to repair themselves. And mm -hmm. autophagy is part of that process where you break down the old damaged mitochondria and you rebuild it. Um, and so super critical. So yeah, intermittent fasting, and then also doing perhaps an extended fast or a partial fast, especially if you are underweight or if you're, you know, very underweight or something like that, you might do like a fasting mimicking diet where it's like a five day, uh, diet where you kind of, you can go to FMD. If you look that up, fasting mimicking diet, we, I know we have a great article on our website you can get a kind of a box of food they give you where it's roughly about a thousand calories a day or so. Um, that you do for five days. So it's like, it's 800 calories a day. So it's like 40% of mm -hmm. a normal person's caloric needs for five day period. And um, that has been shown, Walt, Walter Longo and his research at USC is, has shown that that under, you know, you undergo a significant level of autophagy, stem cell development. So you get these young embryonic cells um, that take place that, that, you know, your body is able to get rid of the senescent or damaged cells. So a lot of really cool things that happen there. And you're still eating some level of food uh, while you're doing that. Now you're going to get even greater impact if you're doing a water fast during that period of time. Um, however, again, it's not everybody's able to, to do that or undergo that. I know if I had myocarditis, I would definitely consider doing a three or five day fast. And I would probably just take electrolytes with it. Um, it's kind of like the main thing that I'm taking. Something like uh, the element, uh, little electrolyte packets that I might take with that. Um, to make sure I've got enough magnesium, sodium, chloride on on board, potassium, to mm -hmm. make sure that you know I don't have any sort of heart rhythm disruption or anything like that. Um, because when you do go fast, especially if you're not used to it, you will drain a lot of these electrolytes, right? Your insulin goes down, you're excreting more of these, could be a higher risk for um, potentially having abnormal rhythms right in your heart. So um, so you want to get the anti-inflammatory effects without having, the the dysrhythmia right and so that can be really helpful yeah. there doing something like that or yeah. a broth or doing like a bone broth or something like that fasting can be helpful and then one last thing i wanted to touch on was you know going back to the idea of like uh supports like is actually eating grass-fed beef heart right getting like an organ meat supplement or actually yeah. just getting it from your local farm in yeah. fact you know, a lot of people, when they think about organ meats, they think about liver and liver is definitely a very, it's got a gamey, you know, smell and flavor to it. Um, and a lot of people turns them off heart, honestly, like you, if you were to get a heart and you cooked it up, you, you could be confused that it, you, you, you could actually think you're eating steak. 
Um, you know, it's it's very muscular tissue, got a lot of coenzyme Q10, tons of CoQ10, tons of carnitine yep. in there. Um, mm-hmm. a lot of these, you know, it's a mitochondrial support. Um, you know, it's a wealth of mitochondrial yeah. support. And so just so powerful. And you can if you don't want to eat it, you can obviously get it in supplements. I know we have a great one called grass-fed organ complex that has got liver, it's got kidney, it's got heart in it, right? And so it's going to help support um heart tissue rebuilding. So that would be the last thing that I would focus on as well. Yeah. And you can also we'll do this. We'll ground up 50%, you know, grass-fed beef, 50% heart. Um and so that's another way you can get it in um, as well. But I agree. I, I like it. I think it's great. You cook it right. Slow cook it. It's tender. It's, it's great. Some vegetables. It's good stuff. Yep. Um, okay. Do we got time for one more? Last question. Yep. All right. Last question. Well, this is perfect. It, it dovetails right into it with the fasting piece. So Lily on Instagram asked, I've heard that intermittent fasting can mess up a woman's hormones. Is that true? Fantastic question. We get this mm-hmm. all the time. And the answer is yes and no. Right. The answer is yeah. how you do it. Um, you know, and there, and, and I want to say this, like, I, I think about it like a bell curve, right? So on one end of the bell curve, there are women out there that, you know, they eat one meal a day and they've been doing it for years and they have no issues with their menstruation, no issues with their hormones. They do absolutely fantastic. If they want to do a three or five day fast, they do that. No issues with their hormones. Okay. But that is a rare exception. That's maybe 5% or so of the population that may be able to do that. Maybe less, Right. Most of the women are going to be kind of, you know, and then there are some women that are extremely thin, extremely lean and, um, you know, any sort of intermittent fasting beyond maybe 14 hours can be really stressful on their body. But again, that's on the other end of the bell spectrum. And then most of the women are in the middle and they need a level of variation, right? And this is really the best strategy. You got to kind of play around with it, figure out what works best for you. But in general, what we find is that day one of menstruation is when you start bleeding, right? So day one to roughly day 10 or so, day 10 to 12, most of the time you're going to have no issues at all with fast, with doing intermittent fasting and doing a longer fast, maybe 16 hour, 18 hour fast. You do want to be consuming food. Like, you know, I don't really recommend, particularly during the bleeding phase, which could be like the first five days or so, I would recommend consuming a lot of red meat, right? A lot of protein rich foods, foods that are rich in iron, so you do want to eat, you know, two to three meals, uh, you know, in a, let's say a six to eight hour eating window or so in that period of time. However, after you kind of, you get through the bleeding phase, if you want to do your three or five day fast, it's actually a really good time to do it. Um, because you know, you, it's a great time to just bring down inflammation in your system. Then as you get closer to ovulation, right, you need kind of a hormone surge and that hormone surge works best when you tell your body, I'm in a time of feasting, right? When food is prevalent. So the body's very intelligent. It says, okay, I don't want to be fertile if there's no food around, right? Because I need to survive so I can be fertile later when food is around. Right now, if we're in famine because, you know, we're not eating anything, then this is not a good time to bring a baby, uh, you know, to the planet. So it just makes sense. And so um, you want to tell the body in order to have a proper menstrual cycle, you want to tell the body around the ovulation period, which, you know, is for, for a woman, it can range, but usually day 12 to day 16, kind of that range, usually it's day 14, right? But somewhere in that range, you want to make sure you're consuming a lot of calories, okay? And you can get more carbohydrates during that period of time as well, right? So really good time to consume your root vegetables, your 
fruit, right? Having more fruit on board, right? All, getting all those polyphenols, the tomatoes, if you don't don't have an issue with nightshades, right? Getting a lot of these, these um, healthy, natural sources of carbohydrate to raise up insulin. When insulin gets up over a certain threshold, it tells the body, okay, we're not in famine, right? We're good. Like this is a good time to be fertile. Okay. You want to make sure you got a, pro, a lot of proteins on board, a lot of zinc, right? Zinc rich uh, foods, which are going to come from your wild caught fish, your, your meat, right? Things like that. Zinc is so critical for all hormone production, testosterone, estrogen, progesterone. You get that surge right there at ovulation. So you want to make sure you have all that on board after roughly about day 16 or so you're through that window. Now you can go back into intermittent fasting, uh, lower carb to bring down some more inflammation to get your body more insulin sensitive. Because, you know, if you've taken three or four days and you've eaten more carbs, you want to vary that now and and kind of go back into a period where you're you're doing things to help bring more insulin sensitivity. Because if you keep on a higher carb diet, you're going to create more insulin resistance and you don't want that. So for about five days there or so, um, it's a really good idea to go low carb, do more intermittent fasting, right? And then as you get into the last week of your menstrual cycle, day 21, day 22, somewhere in that range, okay, that is when you go back into feasting mode, okay? And a lot of women will say that's when you have the most cravings, right? And the reason for that is that you need higher amounts of estrogen to kind of rebuild that uterine lining. And so, um, you know, basically telling the body, hey, we're in, we're in a, a, a period of time where food is prevalent, and, uh, you know, you're eating really, really well during that period of time. That's super key. So kind of following that sort of feast famine cycle, I think is really key. Best times for fasting, doing like more, more tighter intermittent fasting are going to be day one through 10 or so day one through 12, somewhere in that range. Um, you know, and then day 17 to roughly day 22. And then the times where you want to really tell your body you're in a time of, uh, feasting is going to be 12 to 16, somewhere in that range. And then also day 22 to 28, right. Of, of the cycle. Mm. Yep. Uh, you covered it. I think I would just add, I think that's the best long-term strategy from a longevity bio, you know, natural biorhythm standpoint, yep. um, to incorporate fasting, um, outside of a, an acute specific goal. If you're doing a, a fitness you know, contest prep or, you know, these micro goals that you have, sure, that might not be the best strategy for that short term, but long term for your health, I think this is the way to go. It's how you're created, how you're built. So honoring that cycle, I think is the best way to go for it. Yeah. Yep. And then to answer the the follow-up question, what if you don't have a menstrual cycle? Like if you're in mm -hmm. menopause, well, you know, back before artificial lighting, uh, we had all this artificial lighting. We spent all our time indoors. Most women would actually ovulate with the, with the full moon, right? So right around the full moon cycle. So I would try to set it up where day 14 is the full moon for you, right? And kind of set up your feast famine cycling around that, um, you know, around that, that moon cycle. And I think if you do that, I think you'll see really good results with it. So anyways, fasting, I think is something doing some level of intermittent fasting, at least 12 to 14 hours overnight, um, is something all of us should be doing. And then going into more of a tighter, uh, you know, a, a, a more um, inflammation reducing fast where you pushed into like 16 or 18 hours. Okay. You're going to do that strategically depending on the season, depending on, um, you know, the, the, where you're at in your cycle. So that's really the best way to do it to summarize that. So guys, uh, this is, we covered a lot today. This has been yeah, great. We did. 
If you're out there, you need help with your health, reach out to Hampton. You can email him, hampton at drjockers.com. You can see his health coaching page. If you go to drjockers.com, look up coaching, you'll see Hampton um, and reach out to him. Again, he's an expert when it comes to analyzing a lot of these functional labs, organic acids test, GI map, hormone labs, blood labs. He's really good to give a great perspective on these things. And he just loves working with people and setting up customized health programs for people so they can regain their health. So reach out to Hampton. And uh, guys, if you have questions that you want answered on this, you can go ahead and leave them on my Instagram page. You can leave them on our YouTube. We'll do our best to get to these, add them to our master list and get to them in these monthly Q&As. Thanks so much for doing that. Guys, we'll see you on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody. Well, that's all for this show. And I want to thank you again for spending your valuable time with me today. And if there was something you heard in this interview that you have questions on or you want to dive into deeper, then drjockers.com is the best place to go. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider taking just a quick moment and giving us a great review. Your reviews help us influence more people and transform more lives. And if you took something valuable away from this episode, then please share it with someone in your life you know it can help. We'll see you soon on a future podcast. Be blessed, everybody.